This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with John Peet. John Peet is the political editor of The Economist newspaper and was its Europe editor for 12 years. Um, John, you've just written a, a major report for The Economist on the United Kingdom's relations with the European Union. I think one of the conclusions you drew was that the outcome is difficult to predict, so I will not ask you to predict the outcome. But what I will ask you is, what are the arguments do you think which have the most traction on, both on the Leave and the Remain camps? I think, I think to start with the Remain camp, um, I think part of it will be that Britain will get a certain number of concessions for David Cameron, which they will, which he, as Prime Minister, will be able to portray as, you know, these are, these are reforms in the European Union and it's heading in the direction that we want. I think that will help a little bit. But I think much more important than that will be two things, really. One, that I think it is going to be easier for the Remain campaign to persuade people that the economy and jobs would be at risk were we to leave. Um, because I think there are quite a lot of jobs that are dependent on trade with the European Union. There are quite a lot of foreign investors who are in Britain partly because they want access to the European single market. And, and I think that that's the, the, the line that, that the economy would, would suffer uh, were we to leave is going to be quite a, quite a strong one in, in the campaign. And the second thing that I think will benefit the Remain campaign is to dwell on the fact that if Britain left, it is very unclear what relationship it would have with the European Union, whether it would retain some form of access to the single market, whether it would have to rely on on normal international trade rules, how it's how this relationship would, 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 mani would be managed. Uh, and I think that the, the idea that it's, there is, it is safer to stay with the organisation that you know than to take the risk of leaving and not being sure what your relationship with them will be is, right. is going to be quite forceful. On the Leave campaign, I think they have some quite attractive ideas that don't really stand up when exposed to a lot of argument, but sound quite good to voters. They will be able to say, we want to regain control of our frontiers, we want to stop, be able to choose who we let in. We want the British Parliament to be sovereign and we don't want to be dictated to by Brussels. Um, and they'll say we would also want to save the money that we hand over to Brussels, most of which is wasted in, in support for farmers or goes to Eastern Europe. So I think they do have some quite catchy arguments, which is why I think the referendum result could be very close. OK. There's a certain narrative out there that both outside the UK, when discussing with the European partners, uh, and also domestically in terms of its own strategy, the government's been very much on the back foot. On the one hand, the negotiations are allegedly going at a relatively slow pace. Certainly a lot of controversy is being, it's being exposed for the first time. And then locally, of course, whether it's the question about whether the, the question of the, on, the, on the ballot paper and uh, on whether the government minister is allowed to campaign you know, before the, camp, the referendum takes place suggests that the, the the government is not really as much in control of affairs as, as, it, as it thinks it might be. Do you agree with that? I think, I think the Cameron government does have a problem in, in the way these, it's approached these negotiations, which is partly self-inflicted, because I think the starting position that, 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 that Cameron took and his government took and his party in their manifesto for the election was to say the European Union is not working, it's not, in the, it's not correctly structured, it's bad for us, and unless it changes, we think we ought to get out. And the trouble with taking that line is that the reforms and changes they are proposing are actually quite small, um, and it's quite hard to pretend that even if they get what they want, they are making a huge change in the way the European Union functions. So this narrative of saying, this body doesn't function, um, if it's not changed, we will get out, is an unhelpful one for, their, for the subsequent campaign. It's quite possible that in the end they will get over that because they will get a certain number of concessions and they'll be able to say 
the, the EU is now moving in a better direction and it's more comfortable for us. And then they will just get into the general issue of is it better for Britain to be in or out. But I think because they've set it up in this way, they have been handicapped in, in approaching the, the campaign and in, in approaching voters. So does the corollary of the fact that the government is not asking for any major concessions mean that, uh, by the same token, the negotiations will be relatively straightforward? Not necessarily. I mean, I think there are two reasons why they may not be straightforward. I mean, one is that although they are quite small, there are little bits of them, particularly concerning whether you pay benefits to migrants from the rest of the EU and, and what sort of rules you put in place to stop paying benefits to migrants from the rest of the EU. That is a very sensitive issue, particularly in Central, Central Europe. Um, and some people are... There are other issues that the British are asking, asking for that some people are a little bit sensitive about. So I, I think any negotiation in Brussels is often going to be quite, quite difficult. There is also a psychological issue with this, which is, which is that um, the British government wants to have an argument with somebody. They want to be able to say, you know, we, like Margaret Thatcher, we battled for something. We, we fought and we won what we wanted. So there is a, just a pure psychological thing. They want to pretend to have an argument. So at some point there will be an argument. OK. But the Prime Minister has said until recently he will not sort of make a case for Europe uh, until he knows what the negotiation outcome will be. He seems, unless I'm mistaken, John, to be changing his tune somewhat. He made comments recently about saying free trade is good and free trade is better if we stay within the European Union, for example. Uh, and more recently, of course, he's been saying uh, that he, we need to discuss also um, other, other models uh, of, of, of outside the uh, European Union and, and whether they are viable or not. So is he becoming more, uh, in effect, uh, active in the campaign, the pro-EU membership campaign? I think he is. I, I think you are right. He, he has shifted his ground quite considerably in the last sort of two months. Probably, my reading is, because he realises that the poll, the opinion polls have shifted a little bit towards the, the Leave campaign. Um, and I think he probably has also realised that that the experience of previous campaigns, particularly the Scottish referendum, was that if you leave it quite late to start fighting, you can be, it can be a disadvantage. Um, so I think he and the Chancellor, George Osborne, are, are beginning to say, um, actually, we need to start making the case for belonging to the European Union, even now, even before the negotiations have really begun. They, ha they obviously have to hedge this around by saying, we need to win concessions before we can recommend a vote to stay in. But I think the rhetoric that's coming out of number 10 is very clear now that they will want to stay in almost whatever happens. Okay. Um, but do, do, you, do you think that the, the government, the Prime Minister certainly, is, is now realising that um, events are events and uh, people don't answer the question on the ballot paper of any referendum and that, for example, on the bank of the refugee stroke migrants uh, crisis uh, enveloping Europe, that um, the whole political landscape of Europe is changing and that will obviously, well, presumably, have some effect on people's voting intentions. Yes, I think he does. I mean, he, 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 was, he was talked into offering this referendum, renegotiation and referendum, because he thought that was a way of keeping his Eurosceptic backbenchers quiet in the run-up to the election, and it gave him a, a, a way of keeping his party united. But I think he and his advisers are perfectly well aware that referendums are very chancy businesses, and if something blows up 
at about the same time as people are voting, like another outbreak of huge, a huge upsurge of refugees, or indeed um, a, a relapse in, in the economy or, or, or a revival of the, the crisis of the Eurozone. Those sort of things could have a huge impact on the way people vote. Um, and he, he will want to be campaigning in a way to say, you know, there are all these problems, but it's still safer to be inside than outside. But it, it, won't, be, it won't be a very easy one for him to win. Uh, a phrase you often hear is that Europe has to reform. Uh, and even people who, who want to stay, uh, to stay as members of the European Union in the United Kingdom say that as well. Um, what does reform mean, though? Is, isn't the problem for the Prime Minister that he's trying to obviously address a domestic audience, a domestic uh, concern about our relations with Europe? But at the same time, of course, if he were to stand back and be a bit more statesmanlike, he could claim some credit for, uh, for helping to push the debate on the broad reform of the EU across, across the EU to benefit all member states, not just the United Kingdom. I think that's correct. I mean, one of his one of his problems, in a way, is that the specific demands that he has put on the table are relatively small, like um, uh, an, uh, an some understanding that the words "ever closer union" don't perhaps apply to the United Kingdom as much as they do to others, and some sort of a sort of opt out from that, and some a bigger role for national parliaments. Those are quite small things. The much bigger thing, really, is is the European Union becoming a more competitive place that promotes. Um, uh, a deeper single market in in services and energy and digital that that, that 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 generates greater growth in Europe, and to some extent, I think that has been happening over the last two or three years. Partly after the euro crisis, everybody wants to to make Europe a, 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 to, to generate jobs and make Europe more competitive. But his problem is it's difficult to, to say that that's because of anything Britain has done or to relate it directly to British demands for renegotiation. So he has to find some way of saying Europe is reforming partly because of British influence and if we stay in, we will continue to push it in that direction. Okay. One, one last question, John. Um, a number of people uh, are now saying uh, things on the public platform about uh, the desirability of the UK staying inside the European Union, whether it's the President of China, the President of the United States, the Governor of the Bank of England. Of course, we now have a formal uh, Remain Yes to Europe campaign, as well as obviously an Out campaign. Uh, and also the business groups, obviously, are now uh, lining up to say more supportive things about UK's membership. Uh, these voices combined, are they starting to have some kind of positive impact? Or at the end of the day, ordinary voters, quote unquote, uh, vote on very sort of emotional uh, uh, grounds and don't really listen to these important people making uh, supportive mem uh, comments about Europe. I think we probably will see these voices starting to have an effect. Um, I, I'd say it's too early to, to see that in, in the polls. But I think that the period over the summer when the opinion polls appeared to turn more against membership of the European Union and more in favour of leaving, that was very much influenced by continuing troubles in the Eurozone and, of course, Europe's huge migration and refugee crisis. I think now that more people, including some large other countries, large foreign investors, have started to say implicitly or, or even explicitly that if you were not in the European Union, we might reconsider whether to invest in your country, I think that will start to make a difference. But a lot of people haven't really engaged with this yet. And I, I think until we have, you know, the Referendum Act on the, on the statute book and some kind of timetable when people really think, you know, maybe next autumn we will be having this referendum, I think a lot of people won't focus on it. So probably it's too early just to say, to say whether this is actually shifting opinion, but it will count a little bit during the campaign. OK. John, Pete, thank you very much for your time.